Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. are in the series called happiness and let me ask you a question can a non-christian be happy can a non-christian be happy absolutely uh, you and i know people who are happy and uh, they are not christians uh, they are not church people not religious people and yet they're happy people understand that all people have happy days and happy times. All people get both happy and unhappy. So yes, a non-Christian can be happy. Because remember, happiness is based on happenings. If you, you know, if things happen to happen the way you happen to want them to happen, then you're happy. Circumstantial. But we know that the happiness we've been talking about is really joy. It's just that a lot of people don't understand the word joy. So second question, can a person, can a non-Christian be joyful? Can a non-Christian be full of joy? Absolutely not. There's just a simple, if you take J-O-Y, this is, I, can, I can just get it down so simple you cannot miss it. J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, and self last. That brings joy. And a non-Christian cannot put Jesus first, cannot put self last. Probably can't put others second either. It's not in a non-Christian to do that. A a non-Christian simply cannot pull it off. Jesus' joy is available only to those who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when Christ comes in at conversion, when you accept Christ and he comes into your life, at that moment, Jesus takes up residence in you through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who is love, joy, and peace, takes up residence in you. So from that moment on, you always possess inner joy, inner peace. You may leave joy but joy will not leave you. There is always that inner joy deep within that regardless of what's happening external, regardless of what mess your life is in, there is an inner peace and a joy that the world can never produce, the world can never give to you, but Jesus gives it to you and the world can never take it away from you. There's nothing outside of you that can make you joyful because joy is from the inside out. Now, I wish that time would talk an hour about a new movement. When I spoke on happiness back in the late 80s, uh, this movement was unheard of. It came along about 1997-1998. And it's it's positive psychology, and it really has become a movement so that it seems like almost every month another book's coming out uh, with a positive psychology approach. And, and, and you see it in a lot of different places. And uh, this, thing, this book called The Secret, 
uh, and the law of attraction that you can just uh, attract good or bad, anything you want, you can attract uh, to yourself. And if you don't have a good husband, you can attract a better husband and get rid of the one you have because it's all about you and you want to be you want to enjoy all that life has to offer now the book the secret uh, is a different book entirely from the bible when it talks about the secret to fulfillment and and joy in life uh, uh oprah is you know in the, in the books that she recommends uh joel osteen uh who does a wonderful job with, uh, with positive psychology that can help anybody. And, and, and I'll give you an example. I don't usually read to you, but this is... I've read about 15 books on happiness uh, in the last two or three months. And this is my favorite one, Marcy Shimoff. Or Shimoff, or depending on what shul you went to. And, and she, she's cute. And she's, uh, she's co-author of Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul. And she's also one of the teachers of The Secret. And this book, I, I, you know, I have marked it all the way through uh, because it has a lot of great psychological principles that, you know, that will help anybody. But it has some flaws, and I want to talk to you about that in just a minute. But when you, when you look at this, when you read stuff like this, you need to re- have this in one hand and your Bible in the other hand because you need to go back and, and, and when any book stands in opposition to the Word of God, don't trust that book with critical things. Now, the good part of positive psychology is in clinical psychology, the approach is to see what's wrong with people and how to deal with depression and, and severe anxiety and mental illness. So with positive psychology, it takes an opposite approach and what is right with people. Accentuate the positive. Uh, talk about what's good about people and what's right with people rather than what's wrong with people. Now, let me give you some flaws. Let me give you three flaws. Number one, positive psychology says that we are all good, that people are basically good, that we all have a good nature. And we've just had some hard luck and different things have happened to kind of mess us up. But if we can get back to who we are, we're basically good people, all of us. And here's what Romans says. Well, here's First John. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth of God is not in us. Romans says there's not a good man on the planet, not a good person on the planet. The Bible says we are rotten to the core. We, see, they said that at your nature, your nature, you are a positive, wonderful person at your nature. The Bible says you've got two natures. One is rotten to the core. When you know Jesus, you get a brand new nature that goes alongside that. So you've got two natures. One guy said it's like having a dog two dogs fighting inside you. Which one wins? The one you feed. Well, you're to, you're to feed that spiritual nature that's there. But you still have that dark side, that ungodly nature. And listen to me. That means that a born-again Christian is susceptible to all kinds of garbage. And a born-again Christian 
can take his, off, his eyes off God long enough and commit absolutely any sin. Name it, murder, rape, adultery, does not matter. Because that dark nature is there. So when, when you're reading a book that tells you that everybody is good, that down within we just got to, you know, try to help that person realize that he is really good, that's contrary to what the Bible says. Now, the second flaw. All people are happy. That we don't have to spend our energy trying to create happiness. Because what we got to do is we peel back the layers, and if we get down to our nature, we're not only our nature's good, but it's happy. We're happy people. It's just we've got to understand that and claim that. We've got to get back to our natural state. We've got to live in the flow. I get excited just thinking about that. Live in the flow. Happiness is who we are, says positive psychology. What the Bible says is happiness is in Christ. And when we are in Christ, we can buy into happiness. It won't come outside of Christ. We're not just happy people deep down inside. That comes because of who we are in Christ. See, we are happy in Christ. And, and even though you might may let junk cover that up, you can get back with the Lord and put him first. Get those sins confessed. And you realize that you have that good nature and that happy heart. Third flaw. God is a whatchamacallit. Now, I really struggle here. And just so you, you, know, just so you know that I'm not just, just talking to you. Uh, here's uh, in chapter 7. Plug into the spirit. It doesn't matter what you call it. So whatchamacallit. Spirit, higher power, universal source, creative intelligence... The unified field, nature, God, Father God, Mother God, Allah, it's all the same. It's all the same. God is a whatchamacallit. Doesn't matter what you call it. Well, I got news. God is not an it. He is Jehovah God, the creator of the universe. And a God who loves the world so much that he sent his son Christ to die on the cross. And positive psychologists talk about the good life. That if you want to live well, then you can have the good life if you will just focus your strengths. And, and you work at it, then you can have the good life because there's nothing good that you can't have because you have the personal strength to pull it off. I don't think the Bible teaches that at all. And, and even, you know, all the self-help books that say, you know, you can do anything. 
anything you want to do. That's what positive psychology is. You can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do. That, that's just not so. Paul didn't say that. Paul didn't say, I can do anything I want to do. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, we can't. I can't be good. I don't know about you, but I can't be good by myself. Don't look so spiritual. I can't be good by myself. I can't live the way I know that I ought to live by myself. I can't straighten out my life by myself. And that's, you know, Celebrate Recovery is something that we have is just doing wonderfully well. And we're having about 70 or so people on Monday nights and we're seeing lives changed and we're doing it in the prisons and we're seeing lives being changed and we baptized already, what, 70 or 80 in the prisons. And it's just an amazing thing. But it reminds me, years ago, I was at a meeting at the White House with a guy who was the drug czar at the time, William Bennett, and, and he was saying that as he traveled the country looking at ways, programs to help people so they could, could not, no longer be addicted to stuff, that they could get free. And he said, every place I go, almost all the time, it has to do with the gospel, with the power of the gospel. You see, we can't handle addiction in our own strength. We can't even handle self and its selfishness in our own strength. Don't just be who you are and just think that you can do anything. Accept who you are in Christ and through Christ, you can be victorious. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. It's not even close. Do you understand that you never need more than Christ? But if you're going to live well the good life, you never must have less than Christ either because he's the, he's the answer. Now, meditation is something that uh, is big in, in positive psychology, and I think personally, I think meditation uh, is... Is good. Uh, I think it's good. I don't think we're silent enough. But meditation, if you are honoring God and worshiping Him and listening to Him, is one thing. But without that, it's it's another thing. Uh, I, let me see. Let me. Here's meditation. See, I'm so good to you. I'm gonna. I'm going to let you know how to meditate right now. Sit comfortably in a quiet place and close your eyes. Not yet. <laughs> Take five or six breaths, noticing the breath as you inhale and exhale. Notice the breath as you inhale and exhale. Picture a column of bright white light coming down from above your head, entering through the top of your head and filling up your head with light. It's called, I call that light-headed. Feel that the white light flowing from your head down through your neck and into your chest, lighting up your heart. It's getting good now. Feel the warmth and expansion in your heart area. Continue to see the light flowing down your arms, your torso, your spine, your hips, filling those areas with the light. 
See the light flowing down through your legs, your feet lighting up the soles of your feet. Feel your entire body flooded with a warm, bright light. In this state, sit for 10 minutes and just allow any thoughts and experiences to arise. I have the opposite problem. I'm saying, God, help me not to have these thoughts. Are you okay? Rest in this peaceful feeling. Take a few deep breaths, savor the feeling. This is the essence. This is the essence of being happy for no reason, which is the title of the book. So, if you're unhappy and you want to be happy, then try that. I can save you some time, but you can try it. So, flaw number one, all people are good. The Bible says no. Flaw number two, all people are happy. They can make themselves happy. It's because of who they are. We're basically happy. The Bible says that's not true. God is a whatchamacallit, an it, and it doesn't matter. You can be happy because there are all kind of options out there. Just pick one, and you can find happiness, and you can flow with whatever spirit, and, and the big word is spirit. You can flow with that spirit. Now, now, some happiness books focus on the mind. Some focus on the body and, and behavior. Some focus on both. The Bible focuses on the, the heart, the mind, and the soul. And that's uh, only God. Listen to me. Only God can satisfy the soul. Only God. It'll, it'll never come from any other direction. And interestingly, Marcy says in this book that she starts her search because she has a hunger in her soul that she's trying to satisfy. And that's true. That's what Pascal said. You know, you, you've got a hole inside us that we keep trying to fill with junk and stuff to be happy. But it's only God that can satisfy the soul. And you have needs in your life that only God can, can meet. So if you, want, if you want to be happy, it's a simple act of faith where you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life, and that begins a lifelong journey of inner peace and happiness. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more often you experience high levels of happiness. The further you get away from him, the less happy you are. I was uh, preaching in a prison, and... Uh, they had wonderful music. They sang Amazing Grace and a couple of other songs. And, and the, but the singers had smiles on their faces. And, and I preached. And then after I preached, they came up to me and started talking to me. And here were men who were in prison, some for the rest of their lives. And they were smiling unbelievably. And they were singing Amazing Grace like I've never heard it before. And they said to me, Preacher, we are in prison, but we feel free and happy for the first time in our lives. And their faces showed it. And see, that's, that's a miracle that only can happen from God through Jesus Christ. 
Because you see, a person in prison can actually have a freedom that a person free out here can't have. The person who's out here without God is the one who is not free but who's bound up. Now, the Christian faith offers four things that everybody wants and desperately needs. They're simple, but you need to know them. Number one is healing. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The first four chapters of Romans nails down three things, I mean, painfully clear. You can't miss it. Number one, we're all sinners. Number two, sin has made us sick. Number three, we cannot heal ourselves. That wipes out the positive psychology movement. But that's what Romans says. We're all sinners. Sin has made us sick. We cannot heal ourselves. We have this infectious disease called sin. Consequently, we feel the true guilt of sin. Not false guilt, that's another thing, but the true guilt of sin. We all have skeletons in our closets. We all have damaged emotions. We have painful memories. We're all that way. And to be honest, sin and selfishness are at the root of most of our problems, if not all of them. This is what a leading psychiatrist said. I can cure somebody's madness, but I can't do anything about somebody's badness. It's a great point. I can cure somebody's madness, but I can't do anything about somebody's badness. Only the Christian faith solves the human problem of guilt and sin. There is no other solution. And it's because of the cross that we have forgiveness of sin by grace through faith, Romans 3.24, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And there is no grace without the cross. But because of the cross, we have full access to the grace of God. Listen to what Martin Luther said. Forgiveness of sin is a knot that only God can unravel. Forgiveness of sin is a knot that only God can unravel. So if we want to be healed from our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, if we want to be well and whole, if we want happiness, that an inner joy, it only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to what George Barner, who's the, the, the poster, who, who's written in so many books to let us know what people are really thinking And Barnabas says, people who have the greatest faith are the happiest in life and the most helpful to other people. People who have a strong faith, they're the happiest. See, other people have to take things in to get happiness. They have to get on something to be happy. And most of them are trying to, to cover up something that's bothering them. But the genuinely happy people are those who know the Lord and who are serving the Lord and who are part of God's family. 
who understand we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. That that's what life is. It's my strong belief that Christ and only through Christ can we live a fulfilling, meaningful, happy life. You don't need to look anywhere else because Christ offers it to you. The second is help. Healing, help. Becoming a Christian doesn't fix all your hurts. When you get saved, you do not get a new personality. I mean, I wish that had happened. I, when you make that decision, just, God would just zap you. So that from that point on, you're perfect and wonderful and all your flaws are taken care of. But maybe, let's say, you're... Your husband gets saved, and the next week you expect him to be totally different. Well, hopefully you'll begin to see changes all along, but he's still going to have the same personality. God doesn't give you a new personality when you get saved. But he begins to work on that personality. And the closer you get to him, the more he works out the things that shouldn't be in your life and the negative side, the weakness side of your personality. So we all need help. We're all dysfunctional. You are, I am, we all are. And so when we come to Christ, we bring these human bodies. And the problem with sin and self, and the problem with our, what the experiences we've been and the, the, the mistakes we've made, the choices we've made, we've got all of this and we bring it to God and say, God, I, I want to be free of this and I want... To, to know happiness and to walk in your love and joy. And the good news, we can do that. And the key is the power. Because when you get saved, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And that's the very same power that raised Jesus Christ out of the grave and ladies and gentlemen, the difference in Christianity and all other religions, you well know, is the other dead leaders are dead in their graves. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus is alive. And that's, that's power greater than any power we could know of. That power, the Bible tells us, that resurrection power, the same kind of power, is available in your life as a Christian. Now that wipes out our excuses. The reason we're not better is not because we can't, because we won't get better. Because we have the power. The struggle is still there. But he puts the spirit in so that we can live the life God wants us to live. So that we can make a difference. So that we can have direction and wisdom that comes from God. And we know that we'll never be alone. The Holy Spirit is the divine helper, the one called alongside to help you. You will never be alone once you come to know Christ, and you will never be without help, and that help is supernatural. Now, what's your excuse? I mean, it's impossible for a Christian to be lonely because you're never alone, you're never helpless. You have the Holy Spirit who is in you. You see, 
Jesus was here physically. When he went away, he said, I'm going away so I can send you a helper, a comforter, a guide, a friend, a power. And all that I've been with you, the Holy Spirit will be in you. And he will never leave you. And, and yet, you know, we say, if I just could get some good help, you have the best help available inside you. He's the Holy Spirit. And again, the Holy Spirit's not an it. Josiah Royce, the philosopher, said, defined the religious faith as the discovery of a reality that enables one to face anything that can happen to one in the universe. A, a person with solid faith is a person who can handle anything that happens to him in this life. Anything, no exceptions. And listen to me. Because Christ lives within you, it is never the size of your problem. It's always the size of your God that matters. And you will never have a need bigger than God. You will never have a need that God cannot meet. You will never have a problem that God cannot get you through that. He didn't say he would take away the problems or the adversities because that's what strengthens us. God allows those things in our life to, to grow us, to make us stronger. But we do make it through. The third is hope. 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So as a result of being born again, when you come to Christ, there is this, you have a lively hope, a living hope that results in a holy optimism. That when you come to Christ, there is an, there is an energy in you. There is a hope in you that God put there. And it is a holy optimism. You don't look at life as a non-Christian looks at life. You have to look at life from God's perspective. And what God says is you have in you this lively hope, this continual inner happiness that's always there. How did it get there? The resurrection. This lively hope See, death ends it unless there's hope. For Christ's death didn't end it. He came out of the grave alive. So there's hope. And what does he do with that hope? He puts that hope in us. He gives us a lively hope made possible by the resurrection. And the polar opposite of that, that hope would be the negative emotions of worry and fear anxiety now, now how, do you, how, do you, how do you take advantage of this, this energizing power within you this hope within you this lively hope this peace within you how do you, how do you get a hold of that by allowing the spirit to control you Remember when we did the series on the fruit of the Spirit not long ago? 
when the Holy Spirit is in control, then you have joy and peace and love. And that whole list of things. That's the personality. You see, we are to take on the likeness of Christ. We are to have a spirit-led personality. A spiritual personality. And the good news is we can do it because we have within us that lively hope, that energizing power so that we can become more and more like Christ as we live out our faith. Unfortunately, most people put their hope in people, circumstances, and things. And no wonder they aren't very hopeful. But we don't have to do that. Hope, listen to me, hope is God's love in the shape of a cross. And don't miss that I keep talking about the cross. Because without the cross, there is no real joy. There is no real victory. There is no real freedom. There is no absolute hope. It was the cross of Christ that offered us forgiveness of sins and the power of the Holy Spirit to energize us so that we could live the life that God wants us to live. I tell you, it's... Uh, well, I've got to quit. Let me tell you a couple things. That you didn't listen fast enough for me. Let's say we have a house of happiness and you're given a, a ring of keys and you try to open the door and it won't open. Your key, one key is, is popularity, one key is possessions. It won't open the door. And then a person says to you, you've got another key there, why don't you try it? And he tried that key and it worked. And it got him in the, the, the vestibule there, the home, the, 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 the entrance to the home. And then there were all these rooms. But the doors were closed and they were all locked. But he has these keys. people and popularity and possessions programs and he starts trying to open those doors but they wouldn't open the door and then the same boy said why don't you use the same key you did to get through the first door and so he did and it opened the door and there the rooms of Forgiveness and joy and hope and power and love. All available. And what he realized is that he had the master key. The God who made you loved you so much that when you went astray, when Adam sinned and the human race fell, God loved you so much that he provided salvation through Jesus Christ. 
so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could be happy. He knew that that sinful nature could never be happy. No program, no seminar, never be happy. But in salvation, he gave us a brand new nature. A nature of hope, of potential joy and happiness, of victory. All as a gift by simply coming to Christ in faith. And saying, Lord, help me. I can't help myself. Save me. I can't save myself. Help me to be happy. I can't be happy on my own. And he, he and he alone is the one who can lead you to happiness. There was an old stone church in Germany that a soldier walked up to and knocked on the door of that beautiful church. And the caretaker came to the door and the soldier said, I've walked for miles and miles to see this church and I've heard about the great organ in there, the pipe organ, and I would like to play it for an hour. And the caretaker said, no, you can't do that. Nobody but the organist plays that organ. And he said, please, I've, I've walked for miles. I've got little time. I'm sorry, no. And then he said, sir, you see that I'm a soldier and in 24 hours we're going to be shipped out and we're going to go to a danger zone. And this may be the last time that I ever get to play an organ. Would you please, please let me play? And so he opened the door and the soldier came in and he went to and got a key, handed it to the soldier and said, you can play for an hour. And the soldier went and unlocked that organ and he began to play. The sound was absolutely beautiful as it just took over that room. And the caretaker, he was... He just, in amazement, he sat down to just take it in. And then he heard people coming in because they heard the organ being played, and soon the building was nearly full of people. And they listened to the most beautiful chords and the chimes and for one hour. The best music, the prettiest music they'd ever heard. And then he stopped. And he stood up and he locked the organ, walked to the caretaker, handed him the key and said, thank you, thank you. And the caretaker said, thank me, I thank you. That's the most beautiful music these old ears have ever heard. Who are you? And he said, my name is Felix, Felix Mendelssohn. A man by, the, by 20 years old had already made a splash across all of Europe as a composer like no one had ever been before. And that caretaker said, to think that I almost missed given the key to the master. And I think the greatest 
the worst tragedy in your life is for you to miss inviting the master into your heart and life. And you hold the key. He won't come in. He won't force his way in. You have to invite him in. But when Christ comes in, there's not only forgiveness, but there's the possibility of a life of peace and happiness and joy and fulfillment and meaning and purpose that the world can never give you. And you won't, you won't find it anywhere else except in Jesus, in Christ alone. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 